and enjoy the message. All right, all right, all right. Hopefully all those news made sense. Hopefully we covered everything. It's kind of weird, like, watching yourself and then... Now, back to the preacher. Same guy. What's up? Let's get right to it. Why don't you guys go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. Joshua 2, verse 9. Like I said earlier, uh, super grateful that Pastor Don and Lisa uh, were able to spend some time together, a little mini vacation, and our, our leaders need that. Amen, church. It's important to rest. It's biblical, and I'm super grateful for their leadership amongst the elders and their ability to rest, and I'm grateful to be part of a ministry that our leaders can go and do that, and we can have people ready to minister in the house as well. Amen? I just love it. I love this church family. So we've been going through a sermon series titled The Jordan Journey, and today is part four. We were in Red Sea Revelations, uh, going through Exodus. Now we're in Joshua, and today it's going to be a very interesting story. I don't know if any of you have heard uh, of the woman named Rahab in the Bible, but this is a very interesting story that really captures my attention every time I go through the book of Joshua. And uh, before we read the scriptures that we're assigned to read this morning, I just want to give some context of the story. So Moses just passed, and the Lord has given Joshua the authority to lead the Israelites to the promised land. And God is telling Joshua, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. So Joshua, he's going through the land, and God speaks to him and says, we have to go through some certain areas, some certain cities, the land of the Canaanites, and I'm going to destroy them so my people can walk through and encounter the promised land. So Joshua, he sends out two spies to this city called Jericho. So these two spies... It's pretty much just like Mission Impossible, but with less gadgets and things. They, they come into the city, Jericho, and they encounter this woman, Rahab, who happens to be a prostitute. And then they stay in her house, and she ends up protecting them so that they can be safe and do what God's called them to do. So if you want to join me in verse 9, we will continue with this story. So before the men laid down, she came up, this is Rahab, Rahab came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And where did you, and where you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan? to Shihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will de deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign. So right before these verses in verse 7 and 8, these spies are in the house of Rahab, and word begins to spread, and the king finds out that these spies are at Rahab's house. So the king sends to Rahab's house and says, hey, who are the two, where are the two spies that came to your house? And Rahab was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, they did come to my house, but I don't know. They already left. I don't know where they went. They must be out the doors. You should go and chase them. So this is what Rahab is talking about right now. She's saying, hey, I did this for you. Now, you need to do this for me. You need to protect my family, 
my, my, fa- my father, mother, my siblings, because I've been kind to you. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that I've dealt kindly with you. You also will de- deal kindly with me. Verse 13, that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the two spies, the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Let's pray. God, you're amazing. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, God, for your spirit. Thank you, God, that you're with us this morning. And we just take another moment once again to acknowledge that you are here. And we praise you, God. And I pray that as we open up your word and as we uh, take a look at this scripture and this story, I pray that you give us a revelation of how to be more like you. We give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. What a story. No doubt that these two spies would do their best to blend in, to not be noticed, to not draw attention to themselves when they took this land. But then that question, like, it's the elephant in the room. A prostitute? A harlot? Why would they go to a harlot's house? Though it was an awkward place, it must be admitted that it was a perfect place to hide out and remain low-key so they wouldn't be seen. In Genesis 15, verse 16 says, The Lord waited 400 years for the sins of the Canaanites to reach full measure. And here we see this coming to pass. Because there was this city, Jericho. This city, Jericho, reached its full measure of sin, and it was beyond redeemable. Except for this harlot's family. And Rahab, she went much further than the respect of cultural traditions regarding hospitality, right? During this tradition, and maybe our, our older traditions today, there is this culture, there is this importance of hospitality, right? When you have your guests, make sure you offer them food, you offer them drink. But she took it to another level and said, would you like a drink of water? The people are coming to kill you. Let me hide you out on my roof real quick. She went beyond what was expected. And Rahab, she knew the story of the Israelites. Like we see here in Scripture, Rahab, she knew about the Red Sea. She knew about the destruction that happened to the Amorites and King Og and Shihon. And from her window, she could actually see the Israelites camped out from where they were. Scripture says that her home was attached to the wall right there in Jericho. And this woman, Rahab, the prostitute, she secretly wanted to know about their God. And she was interested, and she was somewhat captivated by this God. How do we know that? We see here, after hiding them from the officers, she looked at them and said, I know that the Lord has given you this land. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. And then from there, we see that she asked for for safety. She said, I helped you guys. I want to be a part of this this family. I want to be a part of what you guys are doing. So when you guys come and destroy Jericho, like you did to the Amorites, I want you to protect my family. And they did so by using a crimson colored cord to mark her house for deliverance. So the title of today's message is Breaking the Cycle of the Ordinary. This is not an ordinary situation. 
a prostitute, being the tool used to help God's people. That's very unlikely. And through this Jordan, we've been seeing through this sermon series, we see God breaking a lot of cycles. From, from part one to three, we see God, he's breaking the cycles of fear. All through scripture, he keeps telling Joshua, Joshua, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. We also see he's breaking the cycles of discouragement and anxiety. And from last week, we see that God is breaking the cycles of unpreparedness. And this week, God is breaking the cycles of the ordinary. And the main point of my message today is simple. God works through very ordinary and very unlikely people. Can you say amen? I say thank you, Jesus. Because I did terrible in school. I was not the smartest in school. I still struggle with memorizing some verses. I'm sorry, Mike and Donna. I am very grateful that God works through ordinary people. And Rahab is the greatest example of this right here in Scripture. But here's something I also know about God. God works through ordinary people, yes. But there's something that needs to happen in that ordinary person's life. A surrender needs to happen. A submission needs to happen. And God will only work through someone who will allow him to do the work in them first. You want to be used by God? He's going to have to do a work in you first. And we see this happening in Rahab's life. So if you guys want to journey with me on this, in this story right here, I want, to look, I want to take a look at Rahab's life, this prostitute, this nobody, this very unlikely and ordinary person. How did she allow God to use her? So the first point I want to break down is that Rahab had an openness to truth from wherever it came. She was open to the truth in this moment. So Rahab, she's not written all over the Bible. We don't hear her a lot, but from the moments we do, Old Testament and New Testament, we see that Rahab was a woman of faith. In Hebrews 11, we call this, you know how we have the Hall of Fame? Scholars call this chapter the Hall of Faith, where the writer of Hebrews decides to write down a lot of different Bible heroes that were people of faith. And Rahab is on this list. Hebrews 11 verse 31 says this, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. This was a woman of faith. And as we see here in Joshua 2, she had the faith to press into an opportunity that God gave her. God reveals himself in many ways, amen? Do we believe it? God reveals himself. When in your walk with Christ, whether you just got saved yesterday or you're not even saved yet, maybe you've been saved for 20 years, we know that God reveals himself in many different ways. But we must also remember and be reminded that God reveals himself to the lost. It's easy for us as believers to just have this mindset of thinking, okay, no, God only reveals himself to his people and everybody else, they just haven't seen God move. But that's wrong. Actually, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, creation itself bears witness about the greatness of God Almighty. So the greatness of God is everywhere. As soon as you leave these doors, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, the greatness of God is going to be exposed. Whether through creation and nature whether through relationships, whether through conversations, God is always revealing himself to us. 
And he reveals himself to us in many different ways. He reveals himself through the word of God. If you pick up your Bible, if you devote yourself to reading this word and allowing the spirit of God to transform your mind through it, God's going to reveal himself to you. Like we saw today, how the Lord revealed himself to my wife through her scripture. We also see God reveal himself through preaching. Scripture says, if we do not preach the gospel, how will people know? That's how God reveals himself. God also reveals himself through miracles. That's the, that's the whole point. Every time Jesus did a miracle in the New Testament, what did he tell that person? Go, tell, go let the people know what I've done and what my father has done. Go and give him glory. God also reveals himself through testimonies. That's why telling our testimony is important to give to other people. Take a look at this church. How cool is it that that the testimony of the Red Sea created an opportunity for her to taste and see? So scripture says that she knew the story about the Red Sea. And it says she wasn't the only one that knew about this story because she said, we heard about it. So all of Jericho heard about the Red Sea. God moved, right? And the, and the people of Jericho were like, we don't want anything to do with that. We're going to sk- stick to our pagan gods, to our pagan worship. But this one prostitute was like, hold on. I'm captivated by this story. That this God really split the sea for his people? Wow, I, I want to know this God. And this reminds me, of the way that God moves in my life and in your life. That we just went through a series called Red Sea Revelations on how we never want to be on the front side of a miracle. But once that miracle happens, not only is that miracle affecting your life, but it's affecting way more people than you may realize because the testimony of the work of Jesus Christ in your life is going to create an opportunity for somebody else to be like, wow, I knew that person before Jesus. They're a little different. They're not, they're not cussing as much. They're, they're a little different from before. God is revealing himself through the miracle working power that he's doing in your life. That's why it's important to tell our testimony. And we see this in the life of Rahab. Because in everyone else's heart, this Red Sea story, it brought fear. But in her heart, it brought faith. It brought wonder. She was captivated by it. My friends, the revelation of God will always bring you faith or it will bring you fear. And maybe the reason why your fear is surpassing your faith this morning is because you haven't opened your mind to the truth of God. Maybe you're just so, you just want to stay closed-minded And you want to stay so comfortable that you don't want to be open to see God work in your situation. And we need to learn this truth today because how easy is it to live closed-minded? Oh, somebody help me out. How easy is it to live our life in a box? Like, this is all I'm going to do, and I'm not stepping out of it. And I like it that way, and God, we're going to keep it that way. We want everything to be neatly packaged. It's like it's going to show up on my doorstep like Amazon, and we're doing nothing about it. We, many of us live our lives like this. We love our security. 
We love it. And we don't want it shaken. But here's the sad news to all my believers and want to live in faith. Our desire for security will always wrestle with our faith. And faith will always challenge our closed mind. I love that you've prepared a closed-minded life with a cute little box. But God don't care about that box. He cares about using you for his glory and his honor. And maybe I'm the only one, but every time God has called me to live in faith, he was not calling me to comfort. He was not calling me to what I wanted to do in the moment. He was challenging me. He was challenging my mind. He was always challenging my vision because he don't care about our closed mind life. So rumors have a way of getting around. And the story of the Red Sea, as we said, is all through the land. And much fear is rising up in the land. But Rahab refused to be paralyzed by fear. She's like, I'm not going to do it. Instead, she was open to the truth, and she was willing to ask some questions. Who are these people? Who is their God? Their God must be powerful. Her questions were a great starting point for her faith. Where are you at this morning? Are you willing to ask the hard questions? Because maybe we're not asking the questions because we're afraid of knowing the answer. Through my life, whenever I take a step closer to healing, I would come to realize that a lot of the problem was really me. And it wasn't God and it wasn't other people. But I had to be willing to ask the hard questions, why am I running to this habit day in and day out? Why am I feeling frustrated when this person says this? Why am I feeling this way? Those are some tough questions. And I'd be, I've learned many things in marriage. And I've learned that it's like, it's like looking in a mirror where you see all your problems and all your, all your weaknesses are exposed. But as a single person, I was able to keep it under the rug and pretend it wasn't there. But my gift of God, my wife, she's like, no, we're going to change some things. And that's how every marriage should be, right? That's, that's, part of the, that's part of the blessing of a marriage is because we, we see, we notice each other's weaknesses and we're like, you know what? That we don't have to stay there. Let's grow. Let's change. And that's what I love about my wife is that she challenges my weaknesses and she makes me stronger. And in the same way, in our relationship with God, he's trying to do the same thing. But you keep ignoring him. You don't want to ask the questions. You, you love your little box. You don't want to know the truth about the situations you're in. But what if knowing that one truth that will make you a little humble will actually make you free? We need to expand our parameters, church. And prophetically, God is challenging us to a lifestyle of growth, a lifestyle of discomfort, and a lifestyle of faith. And we need to challenge ourselves and those around us to be willing to be surprised by God. Rahab knew her life needed something different. But how about you? Because it's easy for us to say, I have some problems. 
But it's another thing to say, I'm ready to change. And I'm willing to go through the process of that change. Rahab was at this point where she was like, yeah, I'm a prostitute. Yes, I worship pagan gods. Yes, this. But I know that this God is the God over every other God. And I want to know this God personally. And if the God of Israel could split a sea in order to give his people a new beginning, maybe, just maybe, he could give me a new beginning. Where are you at today, church? Do you need a new beginning? Are you tired of going through the cycles? Are you tired of running back to that sin? Are you tired of living in fear? How desperate are you, my friends? Do you want a new beginning? Because it's available. It's available this morning to have a new beginning. Oh, but I I don't deserve a new beginning. You don't know what I've done. But church, we're talking about a prostitute. And I see the heart of the father in this story. I see God pursuing this woman going to Jericho. Because when you really think about it, God didn't need some spies to go out to this, to go out to this land. He didn't need, God didn't need to put, to, okay, Joshua, I just need to double check if I'm good to go to destroy this land. I think it was more of the purpose of, I need to go chase my daughter and remind her that she's not what the world says, to remind her that, yes, she's been through some sin, she's been through some change, but I'm ready to give her a new beginning. That's what I see in this story, and he's ready to do the same thing in your life. He's chasing after you. He's pursuing you this morning and saying, hey, I know what they call you, but let me tell you what I call you. But what was it that set her free, church? It was the truth. It was the truth and the knowledge of who God was in this moment. You know, here's a funny thing about the word truth. First of all, we have a very negative connotation when it comes to the word truth, amen? Like, like we have no problem when someone comes to us and says, hey, I have some love to share with you. We're like, oh, great, bring it on. But when someone comes to us and says, here, I got to be honest real quick. Let me tell you the truth real quick. That No one wants to receive that. We're all like, okay, here we go. Let's get ready. Like, there's such a negative connotation about truth. Here's another thing I know about truth today. We are in a war against truth, guys. I don't know if you've seen it at your workplace, on social media, on the news, at a family reunion, the truth of God is being challenged like never before. So it's important if we're going to preach about it. And it's important to preach about truth. You know why? Because Jesus calls himself truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that must mean to get to the Father, we, need to, we got to some, have some truth. We have to be honest. And it's funny how in, in the book of John, one of the first times Jesus talks about truth, he says this in John 8, verse 31 and 32. He says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall, what? Set you free. He says, the truth shall set you free. And that made me think, 
Maybe you're not free today because you've been believing a lie. Many of us here today aren't free because we've been believing a lie. What lie have you believed? We're asking some hard questions this morning. What lie have you believed? Because every time you run to that addiction, every time you run to that sin, every time you receive that depression and you receive that anger and use it to your advantage, every time you're believing some type of lie in your mind because something is somewhat justifying you to go and do that. So what lie are you believing? Are you believing the lie that your marriage never, will never have that victory? Are you believing the lie that because you have a certain last name, you're not going to be free from this sin? Are you believing the lie that because my parents were always, had a, had a, a, were always broke and my grandparents were always broke, I'm never going to be able to tap, tap into something that will bring provision to my family like never before? Are you believing that lie? Or how about this? We're talking about God breaking the ordinary cycle. Are you believing the lie that you can't be used because you're not as gifted, as spiritual as other people? You're too ordinary to be used. You don't play an instrument, so you can't be used in the church. You don't have a gift to speak, so you can't be used in the church. And let me be honest this morning. There are many people here with many gifts. Gifts that people on stage don't have. Gifts that are needed in the kingdom. But what happens is we begin to believe this lie that we can't be used because we're too ordinary. So we start giving excuses when we have opportunity to serve in the church. We start giving excuses when people give the invitation to be used. Oh, we love your gift of administration here. You want to become and be used? Ah, I mean, I would, but excuse A. Oh, I would, but excuse B. Maybe it's something deeper than an excuse. Maybe you just don't feel like you can be worthy enough to be used. But that's a lie, church. And we need to start making those observations in our lives and saying, why am I reacting this way? Am I believing a lie? But God is ready to break some lies this morning. I believe it. He's ready to break some mindsets that keep us in sin, keep us in fear, and keep us from freedom. And how does God break the cycles in our life? With the truth. He breaks it with the truth. So if I'm talking to anybody this morning who's desperate for freedom, you tired of being in the cycles, you tired of living in sin, you tired of going through the motions, let me give you some points. If you're struggling with the cycle of fear, you need to look fear in the eye and says, fear not for God is with me. If you're struggling with the cycle of depression this morning, you need to look that depression right in the eye and says, God will turn my mourning into dancing. You in a cycle of anxiety, you need to look that in the face and say, God has given me peace that surpasses understanding. He calls me to be still and know that he is God. If you're in a cycle of bondage this morning, you need to look that addiction. You need to look at that alcohol in the eye. You need to look at those pornos in the eye and say, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. If you are tired of being the cycles this morning, you got to speak some truth over your life. You need to speak truth over your situation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Seek the truth this morning. Declare that over yourself. Stop being a victim. Stop being a victim to sin. 
Do you understand that he wore the victor's crown when he stepped on that cross? He died for you and me. We are victors. So you wonder why we jump during worship. You wonder why we yell during worship. Well, let me tell you something. I see some fans on the college football teams going crazy because they're hoping for victory. But I'm not hoping for victory. I'm not praying for victory. I'm living from victory. There's a difference. Can we just take a moment to praise God? Hallelujah. Can we just take a moment? He is good, church. He has freedom for you. It's time to tap into some freedom, amen? So we're going through this cycle of the ordinary. And Rahab, she's open to this truth. And another thing I see is that Rahab, she had the courage to make a tough decision. So Rahab, she didn't have a lot of time to think, right? So there's this, this prostitute just minding her own business, and these two spies just show up. She's like, okay, this is interesting. And not only that, she gets a knock on her door from the king. The king sent men to her house and said, hey, where are those two spies? Like, she had to be quick in this moment. Verse 4, it says of chapter 2, her response was, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. So we see right here that Rahab lies. Now let me touch this really quick. The Bible simply reports Rahab's lie. It does not praise it or excuse it, but the Bible, what the Bible does is simply emphasize her courage to be available to God in this moment. In this moment, she made a choice and said, you know what, my life is on the line, but I want to be used by God right here in this moment. Here's the thing, church, our courage to be available to God can change the whole future of our lives and maybe even the lives of others. Do not underestimate one moment of courage. One moment. This was one moment, the one time Rahab had to be courageous for the Lord was all she needed to step into a new beginning. Availability involves a decision on our part, church. Are we going to be available for him? Are you available for God this morning? Are we willing to take action? Are we willing to pledge our lives to God even if we don't have all the answers? Because the sad thing is the reason why many of us hesitate to commit to God is because we don't have all the answers. And if the, if the reason we don't make ourselves available to God is because we don't have all the answers, that just exposes the truth that we don't trust God. If you will not step in to the callings and purposes that God has for your life because you don't have all the answers. The problem isn't you don't have all the answers. The problem is you don't trust God because trusting in God takes you to take a step of faith and say, I don't have all the answers, but I have all the answers I need. And that is, you are with me. That's all I need to know. And I'm going to step into this. Because if you think about it, if we had a pamphlet of all the answers all the things we needed in life, there would be no reason 
to trust in God. Correct? Because many of the times we come into prayer, it's why. We, we need some answers. We're struggling. We don't know the outcome of something. We, we want some wisdom. We don't know what to do. Do we pick A or do we pick B? God, help me. I need some wisdom. But if we had all the answers, we'd just be some prideful create creations with some big heads and say, I don't need God because I have all the answers. You know, as a, young, as a younger single man, really desiring marriage and really desiring to have someone that loves God, sometimes in my loneliness of a single person, I just be like, God, can you just give me a letter that says, this is her name, this is when you're going to meet her, and on this day, I want you to make a move. That's all I need. I'll be faithful. I'll wait for her. And, then, and it's all going to be good, happily ever after. But it didn't go out like that, right? I had to go through some heartbreaks. I had to make some stupid choices to be like, okay, she's not for me. Now I get that. But it, it placed me in a position of trusting God like never before. Living a life and saying, you know what? I know what my desire is, but I'm going to surrender that to you, Lord. And I trust that you will provide me the great wife that I need. And he did that, but I had to live in faith and say, I don't have all the answers. I don't know who it's going to be. Look at your life. You don't have all the answers. Think about where you are at today. There was a time in your life that you had no idea what the outcome would be, right? Maybe it's your marriage, the miracle in your marriage. Maybe it's the home that you live in. Maybe it's living in Michigan. <laughs> All the people who move. <laughs> yep, that was me. There was a time that you would never expect to live in Michigan, right? But that's the beauty of trusting in God in the unknown. This moment right here put Rahab in a place of total abandonment. Rahab's like, I'm all in or I'm all dead. This, was, this is what we see in this moment. Is this your mission statement? I'm all in or I'm all dead? Or is it a little different, like I'm all in until it's inconvenient? Or I'm all in until it gets hard. I'm all in until I got to change. What's your mission statement? It has to be I'm all in. Period. This is the best place to live, guys. Do you know what this is called right here? Commitment. This right here, it's called faith. And this is what God is looking for. And what if we handled every problem we face with this response? You seeing the battle you're facing with an addiction, with a fear, with an anxiety, with a relationship issue, what if we stepped into each and every problem and said, I'm all in to what God has for this situation, or I'm all out? It takes you to a whole other level of faith and trust in God. So let's look at Rahab real quick. So we see that Rahab made a faith decision to protect the spies, right? Then she cuts a deal. She looks at the spies and says, hey, you're not, your head ain't chopped off because of me. You're welcome, by the way. And here's what we're going to do. 
We want to be protected. So when you, guys encom- when you guys come and destroy Jericho, I want you to protect me and my household. That's the deal. And the spies were all about it. Sounds good. Let's go back real quick. She made a faith decision, then she cut a deal. How many of us do the opposite? Where we come to God and we cut a deal. And then depending how faithful God is to the deal that we give to him, then I'll serve you. Oh, come on. We really going to talk about it this morning. We come to God and we cut a deal. Say, hey, God, this is the plan. I'm going to need your signature right here. And if you do everything I want you to do, then I'll live for you. God, it, here, here's my plan. Here's my deal. Once I make this certain amount of money, then I'll tithe. Mm. God, here's the plan. Here's the deal. I need you to expose her on all these areas. Then I'll start trying in my marriage. Oh, man. We need to stop cutting deals in what we just see because that's not faith. That's sight. God doesn't call us to live in, faith, live in sight. He calls us to live in faith where we come to God in faith first and say, God, I don't know the outcome. I have no idea, and I have no deals to give you, but all I can give you right now is my life. I give you my plans. I surrender everything in this moment. And all the deals and stuff, that's all up to you. And Scripture shows us all over that God loves to bless. God loves to honor his people. And I promise you guys, if you begin to change your mindsets, we begin to humble ourselves and say, I'm going to live in faith first, God will bless you so much more than you expected. Scripture says that God, he exceeds our expectations. Scripture says that God blesses the righteous. He gives praise to the humble. He blesses his people. God's in the business of blessing. But we need to be in the business of walking in faith first. And God is breaking some cycles of the ordinary this morning. What is the ordinary? It's simply to keep things in reserve to only put trust in what we see. But God wants to break that in us this morning. We need to be a people in our communities that live in faith. Your workplace, it needs someone that lives in faith. Your schools, to all my, stu- all my friends who are students right now, your schools need some people of faith. They need you. They need you, guys. Your marriage needs someone, just one, who has some faith. What if we, what if we were a church that were totally abandoned and totally surrendered to God? Think of the impact we would have on this county. Think of the impact we would have on this region if we weren't in the business of only living for God if it was convenient. It's time to have some courage. Let me encourage somebody. Fear not, for God is with you. I know that God is calling you to do some hard things, 
in your marriage, in your job, in your family life. I know that you got to make some hard decisions, but have courage, my brother. Have courage, my sister. Let me just go back a couple more verses right behind. In chapter 1, it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Someone needs to receive this right now. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Have courage. Have faith. I believe God is moving in this place. He's looking for a people of faith. And he finds this in Rahab. She showed faith. The next thing I see in this scripture, are you guys still with me, by the way? Thank you. Thank you, God. He uses ordinary people, man. Sometimes I'm like, why am I even up here? (sighs) Thank you, God. So the next point we see is that Rahab was willing to join a new family. We see in verse 18, after she cuts this deal and says, hey, I want to be a part of your family. Save my family. Verse 18 says, behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. There was no way she could understand the significance of the crimson rope that was held outside of her window in this moment. The crimson rope was a sign of her hope for the future. And this was the signal to the army of Israel that the people in this home were to be spared. And despite Rahab's desire, despite her faith, despite the promises of these spies, she would have perished unless she put her trust in a blood-red cord cast down from her window. Without that scarlet cord, she could have not been saved. And here's what I love. When you begin to learn Scripture, you begin to see that the Old Testament does such an amazing job representing Christ and His church. You see it all through Scripture, that not only is God working through His people in that moment of time, but He's also working through us the church of Christ, reading these stories and these verses in the, New Te- in the Old Testament, saying, wow, this is a representation of you and me. So we see here Joshua would be a savior for Rahab. He would save her and her family. But Joshua would also be a judge to the rest of Jericho, right? We know the story. They marched around and the walls came down. And in the same way, Jesus is a savior for those who trust in him, but also a judge for those who reject him. This is the beautiful picture that we see in this story. And the crimson cord represented something she wanted the God of Israel to do in her life. This crimson cord, it was a sign that she believed God to be God. She wasn't just adding God to another list of gods of the Canaanites. She was ready and she was willing to lay down her life to the one true God, Yahweh. She was ready And she could have not imagined the glorious plan that God had for her. Let me tell you really quick about this plan that God did. This is so cool. So just journey with me here. This simple, ordinary prostitute and these two spies 
gave one act of kindness that would change history forever. Let me show you. So Rahab married an Israelite. His name was Solomon. Rahab and Solomon, they had a son. His name was Boaz. So now we, now we go through the book of Ruth, and we see that Boaz sees this cutie in the field named Ruth. They get married, and they have a son, Obed. Obed has a son. His name is Jesse. And Jesse's youngest son was named David, who became the king of Israel and who was the forefather of Jesus. This prostitute, this ordinary person, is in the lineage and genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Yes, that's so beautiful. And this is why we find Rahab's name in the fifth verse of the New Testament. So there's Old Testament, there's New Testament, and then right between that, there's a time in history called the Inner Testament, which was actually 400 years of silence. We heard nothing from God for 400 years. And then it's so interesting to me, interesting to me that when God breaks his silence, in the, within the first five sentences, he mentions someone that might be viewed as ordinary. Her name goes down as, in history, but not as a prostitute but as the great-grandmother of King David, the forefather of Jesus. She was not remembered as a prostitute. She was remembered as being in the bloodline of Jesus, the bloodline of Jesus. And just as the crimson cord covered Rahab's house and gave her a new name and a clean slate, the blood of Jesus Christ covers our past sin, our past shame, our past mistakes. And let me encourage somebody, if you think your life is beyond redeemable because of some past sin and some past mistake, I'm here to tell you that there is a crimson cord that has marked you for salvation with the intent of giving you a new name, a new family, and a new beginning. Let's give God praise for this new beginning. Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done. You have a new identity and is found in Jesus Christ through the crimson cord, the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. I really hope this story encouraged somebody that if you think you have a past, you think you've made mistakes, this prostitute, she's She's in the bloodline of Jesus, our Savior. And in the same way, Jesus wants to use you. And he wants to give you a new beginning. As we, as we continue, as we're almost done here, Rahab had a loyalty to her, her own family. And this was beautiful. So she was a witness to her family. She took responsibility for herself and her family. And we can see Rahab's love for them. And the crimson cord, I think it's so cool that this crimson cord was not appropriated just for herself, but also for those who were willing to join her in faith. We, we learn from Rahab a simple truth, and that is our salvation leaves an impact that is beyond ordinary. That your salvation will impact your kids. Your salvation 
will impact your grandkids. Your salvation and surrender to Christ will impact your relationship with your spouse and your future spouse. To all my single friends here today, your surrender, and, and your surrender to Christ and your salvation to him will impact your future family. To all my friends in the high school, I know we preach some hard things to you guys to make some tough decisions, but the tough decisions you're making right now will be a blessing and an inheritance to your kids. Because I know you're fighting some hard things right now, but you surrendering your life to God and surrendering that hard thing to him will give your children more access. Like, I live, as a, I live confidently as a victor, and I've been through hard things in my own life as a young person, and I've had some scars of, of sexual sin and pornography, like I always say, but I'm believing that the hard choices I made in my fight against sexual sin will leave great impact and blessing and protection to my kids. So my kids don't have to go through what I've gone through. So to anyone here who's deciding to live back and live lazy and not take care of your stuff, how much do you love your, your family? Because the secret sin you're living in right now, it's, it's affecting your kids. It's affecting the people around you. Grab ownership in that and say, wow, I'm going to make a decision to serve the Lord. Me and my house, my house, I'm not in charge of my next door neighbors. They can do what they want to do, but this house right here, we're going to serve the Lord. Come on. My house is going to serve the Lord. Do you have that attitude? Do you have that confidence? Because I know you got some crazy coworkers. And they're going to mock your Christianity. They're going to laugh at the standards you give for your kids. But all you got to respond is say, for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. The scripture doesn't say, for me and my house, we will try to impress everybody around us and hope that they love us. It doesn't say that. It says, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Make that decision today. Maybe that's the greatest thing you can receive today. Seeing that Rahab's salvation affected her whole family. Grab the hand of your spouse when we pray later and say, you know what? We're going to make some changes. We're going to serve the Lord and our kids and their kids and their kids will receive the blessing beyond ordinary. Amen? And lastly, we see in here in Rahab's life, she had a lasting faith in the Lord. She was willing to follow through. She conformed her ways to God's ways, not the other way around. Not just in her initial salvation in the moment, but in her whole identity. She no longer was a prostitute. She no longer was a Canaanite. She was a believer of Jesus Christ, a servant of God, Yahweh. There is a new moral, spiritual, and social framework within her. And Rahab fleshes out for us what it is for a person to become new creations in Christ. She was a representation of that. And like I said in the beginning, if you think Matthew 1 wasn't enough, to see that God can use some ordinary people, we see here in Hebrews 11, in the hall of faith. Let me read this verse to you again. Hebrews 11:31 says this, By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, 
did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab was remembered for her faith. And I feel like some of us here, we said the sinner's prayer, we got baptized, we got saved, but there's still something in us that says, yeah, I did all those things, but look at my past. Your past keeps haunting you. The devil keeps trying to remind you that even though you're saved, you're not worthy to praise him. Let this verse be an encouragement to you that the writers in Hebrews had every reason to write about how this lady, this prostitute, did all these bad things. But the first two words that described Rahab was this, by faith. Rahab. How do you want to be remembered? How will your great-grandchildren remember you? How are you going to be talked about? Will you be remembered as a person that lived by faith? Will you be remembered as someone who was open to the truth and willing to ask the hard questions so you could change? Will you be remembered as someone who had courage when tough, tough times came? Will you, re- will you be remembered as someone who trusted in the Lord with all your heart and all your strength and all your might when everything else gave you otherwise? How will you be remembered? Because God, he is in the business of breaking the wilderness cycle by working through very ordinary and unlikely people like you and me. And he's producing in each and every one of us the qualities of his new creation, starting with us right here where we are. Amen? Why don't you go ahead and stand with me in this place? I'm so grateful that God uses broken people with a terrible past. So grateful. That's his love right there displaying on us. There's nothing too dirty, too embarrassing, too shameful that you can do to miss out on this opportunity to repentance, surrendering your whole life to Jesus and walking with him. I just want to take a moment to respond. We have some time. So we're going to sing a song, and for whatever reason, if you feel like you got to be at this altar, that's between you and God. But what I do know is God is knocking on the door of some of y'all's hearts. And it's up to you if you're going to answer it. Don't let your past mistakes keep you from a new life in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, that you use broken things to make a difference. We give you praise and glory for that, God. I pray that you move our hearts right now, that you reveal yourself to us as we just open up the word of God. 
Come and have your way. Mountain is still being moved. Yes, hallelujah. Strongholds are still being 